Welcome to another inspirational podcast at Real Life Church. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com. I don't know, Drew. I was looking forward to getting a title. I tried to get Christy to call me Lord, and she won't do it. She's not in here yet, so I can get away with that in this first time. So I didn't come up here to talk about titles, but what I did come up here to talk about was questions, questions, questions. We all have questions, don't we? Yes. Exactly. There's what I was looking for. Like, what's this guy doing up there? That's the first question, right? Uh, one of the things I was thinking about was, why, oh, why did I put KU in the Sweet 16 in my bracket? I know, and I'm not even a KU fan. I'm like, what am I doing? You know, my, speaking of my wife, she has questions a lot of times, too. So if you guys don't know, I like to mountain bike. And I go with a couple guys here that serve on the Dream Team as well, Mitch and uh, Robert Robinson. So when I'm getting ready, I have these really cool 510 mountain bike shoes. And I walk out, and my wife goes, are you really wearing those? And uh, the more I've thought about it, maybe that's not a question. Maybe that's actually a judgment. So I don't know. It is what it is, I guess. So the questions we want to talk about today, though, they're going to be really meaningful. And some types of questions are ones that when you ask them, they really define who you are and where you're going in life. So the first questions I want to ask for you guys are this. What kind of person do you want to be, and what kind of life do you want to live? Now, I could probably go around the room here, and you guys would have a variety of different answers, but I almost guarantee that somewhere in that answer would be the word good. And so what I want to do is this. I have a follow-up question. What do you guys mean by the word good? Have you guys ever stopped and thought about that? What makes a person good? Or what defines, or what's the defining attribute of a good life? Have you guys ever thought about that? I'm sure we have at some point. On the flip side is this, is like, if you don't think your life is good, or you don't think you're a good person, how do you become more good? Or gooder? That's how I went to Belton. That's what we say there, right? (laughs) That's right, Jody, isn't it, huh? The more gooder. I can do both, you know? So that's what we do. So... Most often, though, we go to start thinking about behaviors. You know, I could be a good friend if I did this. I'd be a good spouse if I would do this, this, and this. Or you know what? I think my life would be good if this was in it, if I had, you know, whatever. Whatever you want to put in front of that. So here's the thing, though. When we walk through life, we, we can come to, like, this, this really weird spiritual math. And so and it looks like this. And what we say to ourselves is this, is that if I only do good things, or I do more good things than bad things, I'm what? I'm a good person. That's what we decide. Or if I have more good things than bad things happen in my life, I have a good life. But it kind of comes back to the same thing. And I think if Jesus was standing here in front of us, he would say this. is like, hey, you know, slow down, time out. You're not necessarily wrong, but you come to, it could be a dangerous situation. You could come to an untrue, maybe even a dev- devastating consequence or answer. And, and here's what I mean by this. A lot of times we get to, a, we get to a, a point where we start questioning God and we wonder, what did I do? These bad things are happening to me and I don't understand them. Does God hate me? And I don't think that's necessarily the case. So what we want to work through here is trying to hash that out in our lives. And so... You know, a lot of you might be saying, you know, I don't necessarily believe that. You know, that's not necessarily true. But here's the thing. What we say, what we sing about, oftentimes isn't what we really believe. 
So here's, here's, one, here's a phrase that I want you guys to look at. What we do, our actions, reveals what we really believe. And believe the same word as faith. And this is what we think is really true, what works on our lives. So even though we would like, a lot of us would say, well, you know, I think God accepts us where we're at. You know, oftentimes when we're walking through life, we begin to question that. And here's how that works. When we, when we go and we have something that we want to happen, and we, we know probably necessarily it's not even what is true and what God wants, but we tell ourselves this, since it did happen, God must have willed it. That's exactly what God wanted to have. So, and here's the other way that this happens. So when we're going through life and something bad happens, we begin to question, what did I do? Is God judging me? Does God hate me? Well, I think those are, those are untrue consequences that we can jump to really quickly. And so as you guys start to deal with these things, and I want you guys to think, you know, and, and I'm probably saying some things here that may bring up some emotions in your guys' life. Maybe you're going through something right now that you don't understand, and you're just like, how does this square? We have a bad thing, and we have a good God. They don't make sense. That question comes over and over in our life. Why do bad things happen to good people? And why do good things happen to bad people? Has anybody, has anybody here ever had that question? Raise your hands if you've had that question. I think that's probably everybody that I can see in, with these lights shining in my face. You guys, you guys are a part of a really special club. You guys know what that club is? It's called Human. It happens to everybody. We're all there at some point, right? And so here's the thing. God is going to change, and he's going to let us know on our own, Things are, are, are can be, you know, things are just will never be redeemed. But with God, he can bring those things into his kingdom, and they will change. So here's what I want to talk about. A lot of people, have you, have you guys heard about Sermon on the Mount? It's a really famous talk that Jesus gave, and this is early in his ministry. So Jesus is at a point in his ministry where he's starting to do some healings. He's starting to do some miraculous things. And so he has a lot of people following him. And so one day he goes to this hill, and he sits down, and he begins to talk to people. Now, here's the thing. A lot of times when we read the Bible, we don't really think of what the context is, what's really going on. But here's what I want you guys to know. This, this crew that was following him, they weren't the beautiful people in the world. They weren't the successful people in the world. They didn't have it all together. And, in fact, there's a term. It's a Hebrew term called the anawim. And it's a term for an entire class of throwaway people. And so a lot of these people would consider themselves that way. They were rejected by society. They were rejected by the religion of their time. And in, in that happening, they assumed that they were rejected by God. And so God sits down with this group of throwaway people, this Anawim, and says, hey, listen up. I've got something new to tell you. I'm going to tell you something that's going to change. And if you have just a little bit of faith in me, I can bring you into the kingdom, and we can start working through this mess that you call life. So... The, the thing with God is he is looking to, to bring a change to your life. And so one thing I want to really stress and, and focus on here, and I want to park here for just a quick second. A lot of times when we, uh, when we go to church or we think we're going to come to God, what do we want to do? We think, well, I've got to fix this. I've got to change that. You know, I can't do that anymore. But God doesn't ever say that. He never starts off with a, a list of rules to get this blessing. And so God starts off with this rough crowd, and on this next slide, he wants to have and give a with God kind of life in his kingdom, and he wants to experience 
what's called, it's a Greek word called makarios. Can you guys say makarios? Man, you guys are smart. You can go home and say, man, I learned something today. Got Hebrew and Greek. He's inviting you into a with God kind of life. And what kind of life is that? It's a good life. And so here's the other thing that I think you can pull out of this. A lot of times we talk about, you know, well, I, I'm going to be with I'm going to be with Jesus one day. You know, we look at it. It's almost like it's almost like this Disney fairy tale that we live our lives this way right now, and, and in the future we're going to have this great big house, live on golden streets, and and God talks about those things. And, and it's not that God's not with us then, but more important, God's with us right now. And that's the one of the things that we talk about here all the time at Real Life. The things that we do in the community, we don't do those just to be seen, just to make ourselves feel better. We really, truly believe that God has called us to do something, to work with him, and that's all part of it. So when you walk in the kingdom, it's with him right here, right now, and after your funeral. It's a both and. So when, when you have that good life, you have one that's in connection with God's kingdom. And just for clarity's sake, I want to define what the kingdom is. God's kingdom is this. It's a place where what God wants done is done. You guys have read through the Lord's Prayer. That's exactly what that means. And as God invites us and he says, come as you are, he's saying, you know, bring, you know, bring even the not good parts. How about this? Especially the not good parts. Don't fix your marriage before you come to Jesus. You know, don't fix your addiction. Whatever you want to put that label on. That's not what God is calling us to do. And that's not what God is asking us to do. He doesn't give us a list of rules and regulations. Do this thing. Do it the right way. Do it this many times. That's not what he's doing. And so as he addressed these people, he not only did not give a list of rules and regulations, he started naming these people that were at the top of his invitation list. And guess what? Those people were really surprised. And oftentimes, I think that we become surprised, too. Does God not see what I've done? Does he not see my mistakes? Does he not see the brokenness and how my life shattered? Does he really want me in his kingdom? And Jesus is saying, absolutely, yes, he does. So as, as Jesus begins this address in Matthew 5, 3, he says, blessed. It's that word makarios that we just said. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? I tell you what, the poor in spirit, how many times have you felt empty? Have you felt broken? Have you felt spiritually poor? And here's the the funny thing, and we all do it. You guys up here, down there, me up here. There's times in our lives where, guess what? Man, it looks like we have it all together. And if you do set up with me, you know that's not true. (laughs) Isn't that right, Jody? But who do we fool? We can fool people all the time. And we'll look holy. And we'll know deep in ourselves and we'll have shame and know what we're putting out there isn't what we feel in here. And here's what God says. God says, I can bring light. I can bring light to fill the darkness of that heart. And you're accepted and you're worthy. In my kingdom, I want you just as you are. We'll work through those things. We'll work on them together. But guess what? Outside the kingdom, not with God, outside, you're on your own. And that's a scary place to be because you're always going to be trying to prove something to somebody else or even to yourself. I'm good enough. I'm smart. I'm wealthy. I'm powerful. People like me. And those things will never, ever satisfy you. And, you know, it's one of those things that we struggle with. 
And, and here's the thing. I'm talking to people outside the kingdom, inside the kingdom, because here, here's my story. And, and I want to tell the story with, with, a, with, with a story that happened to me in Springfield. And I'm going to invite Brian Forster up here. Can you guys give him a hand? As I tell a story about a, a friend of mine named Rob, I figured a good way to, uh, to do this was to give you guys a visualization. So when I moved to Springfield to go to college, man, this guy looks good, right? When I, when I, when I moved to Springfield, <laughs> they're all laughing at you. I can't believe that. When I moved to Springfield, you know, I was 20 years old. Christy hadn't got me straightened out, so I wasn't this awesome specimen of a person I am now. So I had a lot of, a lot of, had a lot of doubts. I had a lot of insecurities. So I made friends with this group of four guys. And this one, particular, this one particular guy, he was about 15 years older than me. His name was Rob. Like I said, Rob had it all. He was gifted. He was talented. Rob was a good-looking guy. All the girls liked him. <laughs> Dude, Rob was smart. I would learn philosophy from Rob. We would talk about existentialism, postmodern thought. We learned about theology. I had all these questions about the Bible. We talked about, we talked about culture. How does the Bible relate to our culture today? Whether it's a movie you watch or what you hear in politics. Man, there's a lot of things that I took from Rob. And one of the things, the other things that really impressed me, Rob was ex-military. And the cool thing about him was this. He's like a really humble guy, really unassuming. But the guy could kill you with his bare hands. And so, you know, I was like, man, I want to be, <laughs> watch out. So I'm thinking, you know, here I am, this 20-year-old kid. He's like, early 30s, 33, 34, I was like, man, if I could be like Rob, man, I would have it made. And so I started reading, and I started learning. I even started taking some jujitsu classes. And so I, I, got to, I got to this point where I got a little cocky. You know how it is. You get a, you get a, you get a little uh, knowledge. You get a little, uh, little acumen about you, and you want to try some stuff out. So I would start debating and arguing. And after taking a few jujitsu classes, I figured maybe I could take Rob. So we were at church one day, and I was walking around, and he kind of had his back to me. I was like, yeah, I'm going to show Rob everything I've been learning. So I kind of walked up behind him, and I did one of these numbers right here. And guess what he did? Yeah. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. Hey, you guys give up for Brian. How many of you guys have ever seen a pastor? I'm not a pastor. Have you ever seen somebody preach and get slammed up on stage? That's right. Don't, t- don't tell Sean. You know what Rob told me? When I got up off the ground, dusting myself off, he looked at me. He was real serious and quiet. He goes, you just thought you were in control. And here's what was crazy. I thought about that thing, and that was kind of a little thing. But that really became a metaphor for my life. And, and, and things he taught me biblically. Because a lot of these questions I have, they're above our pay grade. I didn't have all the answers. But I, you know, what about the people who have never heard about Jesus? And so he would work through that, and he would disciple me. And he said, hey. You can't figure everything out on your own. But at some point, you have to trust God, his character, and walk in his kingdom. And he will reveal his character, and he will reveal how he works through tragedy to redeem that. And so I never, ever forgot that. When you go back to the Sermon on the Mount, one of the things that that Rob and some other guys kind of taught me is this. It's really easy to start reading through Scripture and just kind of read, 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 read. But it becomes very applicable if you can put yourself in the situation. So, for example, look at, think about this. What would it be like if you guys were there at the Sermon on the Mount and just sitting there listening? What would, that, what would it smell like? What would you guys hear? And this is a crazy crowd that you guys are sitting in. I think Jesus just talked about, blessed are the poor in spirit. And he's scanning the crowd. And 
you know, we don't change what God says or what God means, but, you know, you can imagine something like this happening. He looks down, and he sees a man or a woman, you know, has been, looks like, you know, eyes puffy, bloodshot, maybe even a little snot, a little dribble. He knows they're in mourning. Somebody probably just died. And they're looking for answers. Same thing happens to us. You know, maybe you've had a spouse, you've been married 20, 30, 40 years, and they're gone now. And you don't know, <coughs> you don't know how to handle it. You thought you were going to be the first one to go. Here's another story I hear all the time. Young parents, they're excited, they go to the doctor, and they come back, and there was no heartbeat. Maybe they're mourning. They've just come back from that appointment. Maybe you just buried your father, mother. Maybe it wasn't even a physical death. Maybe you just came back from a fight and your family died. Have you, have you guys ever had a relationship die with a friend, a spouse? Those things are mourning. What about this? And we, we have some friends that deal with this too. What about if you're so depressed, maybe nobody physically died, but it feels every day like somebody did. And it gets so bad you physically want to die. Jesus says, bring those into the kingdom. He'll bring that, he'll bring a comfort that only God can fill. And you guys have probably been and had tragedies in your life. <clears throat> you can't even put words to it. And you, you think about it and you're like, what is going to fill this hole? What is going to take this away? What is going to heal this pain? And that's only a spot that God can take care of. Because it's a God-sized hole. In the kingdom, God says we're accepted. And again, we can never be enough on our own. When it comes to pain and it comes to tragedy, inside the kingdom, we still deal with the same emotions, but we have a hope and a joy. Outside the kingdom, you're just going to be sad. No hope. And I'll finish the story about Rob here. I got, a, I got a phone call, I don't know, probably maybe five years ago now. And, a, and we had a mutual friend, and he called and said, hey, I've got some bad news. I said, hey, what's up? He said, uh, Rob passed away. Here's what you guys don't know. For all, for all of Rob's gifts, he was a human being, and he struggled. He had, a, he had addictions to, uh, for lack of a better word, he, had, he was addicted to bad relationships. He had some substance abuse issues. I mean, and he was the type of guy, he's like the rest of us. He would be up here one day and down here the next. And so he would work through that, and God was working his life. But eventually, he reaped the consequences of the physical damage on his body, and he, and he passed away. And so when we went to the memorial service, his family all lived in Georgia. We had a memorial service in Springfield. We all got together. And, yeah, we were sad, and, the, and we were crying. But here's, here's the thing. Did we talk about that? We didn't. Rob walked with God in the kingdom. And so everybody had a story about how Rob had impacted their life and how God had used Rob to make a difference. And so I want to ask you guys that question. You guys have been to a lot of funerals, a lot of memorial services, I'm sure. What is the difference between somebody that dies in the kingdom and somebody that dies outside of the kingdom? The only answer that I can come up with is this, is that inside the kingdom, you're not lost. And I really don't like that phrase. 
a few years or a couple years ago, my, my, my grandpa passed away, and somebody goes, We lost grandpa. I'm like, we didn't lose grandpa. We know right where he is. <clears throat> Outside the kingdom, we don't have that hope. I, you know, I have friends and family, they, they, they live outside the kingdom. And you can see how they deal with death and tragedy and, and mourning. And, and they, they get frustrated because the person they lost, they, they start forgetting what their face looked like or what their voice sounded like. And they have to reach out in, in ways that I'm not trying to demean them. But the only, their, connect, their only connection is this, is that on, their, on this person's birthday, they'll, they'll, leave a, they'll leave a message saying, I miss you. Again, that's not wrong in and of itself. But if that's all you have, that's, to me, that's hopeless. God, God offers more than that. Inside the kingdom, we are complete and secure. Outside, we're just gone. And, here's, and this brings up a couple questions. And the first one is this, is that you talk to a lot of people that they're starting their beginning stages of, of, of walking with Christ or they're coming to faith. And they'll come up and they'll ask you, hey, I got a question for you. What about my, what about my brother that committed suicide? Where's he at? Or what about, my, what about my dad? He never went to church. You know, what does that mean? And that's a tough question. And it's not an easy one to answer. And this will sound like a cop out at some level, but I think it's absolutely true. And when I'm asked that question, I say is this. I can't tell you, it's above my, again, it's above my pay grade. I don't have that answer. Here's what I do know. He is dealing with a God that loves him more than you ever loved him. And he knows more about what was in that person's heart and mind than we'll ever know. So how about this? Let's trust a loving, good God to do the right thing and the fair thing and bring justice for this person. But here's the real question. That person isn't... He's struggling with this, is that if he accepts God and he accepts Jesus, somehow if he goes that route, he's condemning, he's condemning that person that they love. But that's not the issue. You come back to, and I come back to that person and say, what about you? Because you don't have to have those questions. You never have to face another funeral, a memorial service, or your own without hope. And I think that's such a powerful thing that Jesus brings to us. And the thing is this, is that, you know, a lot of times we, uh, we, we, try to, uh, we try to deal with something that we don't understand. And everybody inside the kingdom or outside the kingdom has to deal with death. And you can deal with death inside the kingdom with Jesus or outside you deal with it on your own. But here's the cool thing. In the kingdom, death is the least of our worries. And you're like, Barry, what does that mean? It means this, that yes, when we lose people, we'll be sad. And we'll have to struggle with those emotions. But it's not the end. Because guess what? You're not lost. If you're in the kingdom, you're not lost. If something happens to me tomorrow, you don't have to say, we lost Barry. It's the same thing. You know where I'm at. I'll be with Jesus. I'll be with Rob. We'll be with the rest of the people who have died in the kingdom. And hopefully we'll be waiting on you guys. At least most of you, right? So, as, uh, as, as I have Sarah come up, I want to I end with these last few thoughts. A Macario's type of life, it's a life with God. And that type, is, that type of life is available right now. So when you have that blessed life, when you have that good life, maybe you should rethink what death and mourning is because you don't have to live without hope. 
And here's, here's, here's one of the last things I'm thinking about as, as I think about through the Sermon on the Mount. As you read those, those verses, and we've only covered a couple, but if, if you go and you continue to read the rest of them, Jesus doesn't do this. Jesus doesn't give you a new list of rules and regulations. He's not saying, hey, if you would mourn more, I could bless you. You know, if you'd be a little more poor in spirit, I'd bless you. That's just rules. That's just, that's just religious legalism. Jesus is trying to realign our thinking about what our circumstances mean. And in a Macario's type of life, a blessed type of life, it's there in spite of our circumstances, not if you'll fix your circumstances. Bring your brokenness. Bring your emptiness to God, and he'll redeem it. And you're like, Barry, how? It starts with this. Knowing and trusting that Jesus is who he says he is, and he can do what he can do what he says he can, and he will do that. And here's when you're going through those tragedies and you're going through those bad things in your life, you know, you'll come to a spot where like, man, I've tried to fix this on my own. I can't even imagine God fixing this. How how is God gonna do it? And again, this may sound like a cop-out to some of you guys, but I know one thing, as I I've experienced life, I, you know, God has fixed things in ways that I never ever would have dreamed that he would have done it. I would have, I'm completely surprised. And so if our expectation is God gives us all the answers on the front side, we'll, we'll live disappointed lives. If that's what's holding you out of the kingdom, don't let it. Come into the kingdom and trust God. That's what faith is. This is the end of this podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss another inspirational podcast. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com.